Oh, what a privilege it is to gather together in his name. Preach the word of God to such a great group of people. Father, we thank you for heaven's help to deliver this message. We pray our hearts be flooded with light, our spirits be strengthened, and that when we leave this place, we'll leave change from glory to glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're doing a series on heirs according to the promise. And the purpose of this study is to renew our minds so that we can see ourselves as heirs of God and to discover what's included in our inheritance and then to learn how to take our inheritance. We're bold to lay hold of all that God has provided in this glorious storehouse. We've discovered that we are heirs of God, that we're heirs by birth, we're joint heirs with Jesus. And since we are his children, everything he has belongs to us. And you are heirs of everything right now. Your inheritance certainly partially is in heaven, but he has an inheritance for you here on earth. Amen? Amen. Now this morning I want to look at a couple of things which are included are in inheritance. I'm not sure whether we're going to continue on with this next week. I know that we're going to start a new series pretty soon called The Good Shepherd. Amen? It's going to be awesome. But uh, what do you say we feed on this for just a little while longer? Let's take a look at number one in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 8. Part of your inheritance is the presence of God. The presence of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, 8, he says he raises up the poor from the dust and lifts the beggar from the ash heap to set them among princes and make them to inherit what? The throne of glory. The glory, the throne of glory is another way to say his presence is part of your inheritance. You see, the glory of God is defined as heavy with God's presence, with everything good. Scripture says that the wise shall inherit glory. It furthermore says that with Christ we are heirs of God's glory. You know, Jesus was praying one day, and in John 17, I want you to notice this verse, and in verse 22, and I want us to read this one together. Are you ready? Let's read. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. So let's stop right there for a moment. The Father of glory gave Jesus glory. Amen? And then Jesus then provided for us his glory or his presence in our lives. The scripture declares that Jesus Christ is in you And he is the hope of glory. It's good to know that his presence is on the inside of us. It used to dwell in the Holy of Holies. But thank God when it was finished, when the substitutionary sacrifice had been made, that presence went out of the Holy of Holies and went into born again men and women just like you. Say it with me. His presence is on the inside of me. That's awesome to be able to have his presence in us and among us 24-7. What do we do as a result of this? Well, the Bible says that the uncompromisingly righteous shall give thanks to your name and the upright shall dwell in your presence 
before your very face. Before your very face. Psalms 84 and verse 4 in the Amplified says, Blessed, happy, fortunate, to be envied are those who dwell in your house and in your presence. They will be singing your praises on Sunday morning only. (coughs) They will be singing your praises when they feel good. They will be singing your praises when the sun is shining and everything is looking good. No, you've got to be willing to sing your praises when things don't look so good. You've got to be willing to sing your praises in the nasty now and now if you want things to change and go up higher in God. Come on, somebody. Let's just try it on for size right now. Let's just lift our voice and thank Him. <clears throat> Glory to God. By Him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Many mornings I'll just wake up and I'll give thanks to His glorious name. I'll thank you because you are Jehovah's Sidkenu. You're my righteousness. I praise you today, Lord, because you are my peace, Jehovah Shalom. And I thank you, Lord, that you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the Lord that has healed me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. All day long, the Bible says, from the rising of the sun till the going down of the same, (coughs) the name of the Lord is to be praised. Now, here's what I have real strong in my spirit today. I want to tie, as part of our inheritance, His presence and protection together. His presence will protect you. His presence will keep you. His presence will hover over you. And not only will His presence protect you, when you learn to release His presence through what I'm going to teach you today, His presence will hover over your whole family. His presence can hover over your in-laws. Is anybody interested? So turn with me to Psalms 91. Psalms 91. This is part of my inheritance and yours. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain what? You know, that kind of jumped out at me this week. Shall remain stable. How many of you know that being stable in unstable times is a really good thing. How many of you know that having a stable mind is a really good thing? How many of you know that in the midst of turmoil, it's awesome to have the Prince of Peace manifesting himself to you? See, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a calm and a well-balanced mind. So those that dwell in this glorious secret place of his presence, they shall remain stable. And they shall be fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, or under the shadow of El Shaddai, under the shadow of the God who's more than enough. He's more than enough for you. 
Now notice the rest of the verse. It says, whose power no foe or enemy can withstand. The enemy cannot stand in the presence of El Shaddai. The enemy cannot stand in the presence of a person who's dwelling in that secret place. So I'm strongly encouraging you this morning. Be a dweller. Don't be just an occasional drop buyer. Be a person who is serious about the presence of God because His presence will protect you. Mark Brzee said this. He said, if we want to stay within the boundaries of God's divine protection, we must abide in that place of safety. We must stay in fellowship with God and walk closely with Him. Just a closer walk with Him. Jesus said it like this, Dwell in me and I'll dwell in you. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Live in me and I will live in you. So then it becomes our responsibility to maintain the union and communion with him. Amen. Now notice in verse 2. Those who dwell in this secret place of his presence, they need to start saying some things. I will say of the Lord. What will you say of the Lord? He's my refuge. He's my fortress. He's what? This morning, is he your God? He's your God. He's your love, right? He's my God. On him I will lean and rely, and in him I'm going to confidently trust. My trust is in El Shaddai. I'm dwelling under the capable wings of my Father. Hallelujah. He hovers over you and protects you. I like this saying, the hand of the Lord is upon you for good. Now, there is authority in faith-filled words. See, believing in one's heart and declaring with one's mouth what God has said about oneself is the spirit of faith. As you release your faith, the angels of the Lord encamp around about those that fear him. Now, notice what happens in verse 3, right on through verse 10. For then he will deliver you from what? The snare of the fallen. The enemy's got all sorts of snares set and traps set. But how many of you know the Lord knows the way? And he will deliver you from the deadly pestilence. That could mean chemical warfare, right? We don't have to be afraid of Ebola. We don't have to be afraid of viruses and things that are out there in the world. See, the enemy would like to paralyze us to the degree that we never go outside. But no, we need to go about our lives and know that we're under the secret place of the Most High. Verse 4 says, Then he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will trust and you will find your refuge. His truth and his faithfulness are a shield and a buckler to you. You know, when I see that word shield, I can't help but think of Psalms 3. You know, maybe you've had this sad occasion for people to talk against you and about you. 
say things like, well, look at that person. There's no help for her in God. There's no help for him in God. He doesn't even have an eighth grade education. Who does he think he is? Who does she think she is? There's no help for them in God. But you know what the response to that is? But thou, Lord, you are a shield for me. You are my glory and you are the lifter up of my head. You know, when man says no way, God always says Yahweh. When man says you'll never be enough, God said, don't bother about it, son, I'm more than enough. When man says you don't measure up, God will just tell you, I am that I am. And I'm for you and I'm on your side. Come on, somebody. Verse 5, you will not be afraid of the terror of the night, nor of the arrow the evil plots and slanders of the wicked that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor of the destruction and sudden death that surprise and laid waste at noonday. Well, you just never know, Pastor, what might happen. Surprise accidents and surprise heart attacks and sudden death. I don't believe in sudden death. I don't believe in surprise attacks. I don't believe in surprise accidents. I believe he's given his angels charge over us. To keep us in all of our ways. Amen. Now notice in verse 7. He said a thousand may fall at your side. And ten thousand at your right hand. Now here's what you got to do. You got to put your stake in the ground. And lay hold and be bold. And declare. But it shall not come near me. Say it with me. It'll not come. Near me. Now. Notice verse 8. This is really good food here right now. So let's read it together. Ready? Read. Only a spectator shall you be, yourself inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High, as you witness the reward of the wicked. I like that phrase, yourself inaccessible. The enemy does not have access to that secret place. That's why he tells us, sons, daughters, come boldly to the throne of grace. Live in me, and I will live in you. You know, back in Noah's day, Noah was instructed to build an ark, was he not? How many of you saw the movie Noah? A lot of it was unscriptural. Most of it was. Exodus, sure enough, was unscriptural. I don't see God as a little schizophrenic boy, do you? I don't see God as being double-minded, hearing voices. Anyway. But biblically now, the Lord instructed Noah, he says, I want you to build an ark. And he gave him specific instructions, didn't he? People thought he was absolutely nuts. They thought he was absolutely crazy. They thought he'd been out in the sun too long. What you doing, Noah? What's up? All these things. And God instructed Noah to build an, build an ark out of wood. He built the ark, and when the storm came and the floods came, notice what happened. That ark served as a place of safety for Noah and his families, and they were safe through the flood, were they not? Yes. Well, in this day, you and I don't build an ark out of wood but we build an ark out of the Word of God. We have the solid foundation of the good Word of God, and we declare what His Word says about our lives. And the storms are going to come, 
and the floods are going to rise up. But you and I, we're not just hearers of God's word. We're doers thereof. We've got a solid foundation built on a better covenant, established upon better promises. Amen? And so what happens when the flood comes, you and I are staying afloat. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm staying afloat. Now notice in verse 9 and verse 10. Because you have made the Lord your refuge and the most high your dwelling place. There shall no evil befall thee, nor any plague or calamity come near your dwelling or near your tent. Now, one translation says, No accident shall overtake thee, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. Amen. So don't say, I'm accident prone. I mean, even if you had two or three accidents last year, Get that accident-prone consciousness out of your mind and out of your vocabulary and start pleading the blood of Jesus. Amen? And you might want to go the speed limit, too, and walk and look around. And perhaps not even texting. And certainly put the phone down. I know I'm meddling, but it's all right. No evil befalls you. Neither does any plague come near your dwelling. That's mine. That's yours. To God belongs the escapes from death. In our pathway, you see, is life. And there is no death. But you make the determination every day of your life which pathway you're going to walk in. I encourage you to walk in the way of life. Walk in the way of His presence. Walk in the Spirit. And you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Somebody says, yeah, but I've missed it and I've failed in the past. Let the past go. The past is gone. The past is done. And it needs to be forgotten. Rise up from that place of the past and keep your eyes on him and let Jesus be your Lord and let him change your life and let him do for you what you could never do for yourself. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Notice verse 11. We've got to read this one together. He said, for he will give his angels special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways of carnality and unspirituality. No. In all your ways of obedience. In all your ways of service. This came up to me this morning in the first service. He's given his angels special charge over special people. You're a special person made in the image and likeness of God and He's given His angels charge over you. He has assigned His angels to guard you. He's assigned His angels to protect you. Hallelujah! We could say it, part of our inheritance, His presence protects us. His presence protects you. Amen! Look at Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. You know, you don't have to preach a real long time when a crowd is as quick and bright and sharp and as attentive as you are. But let's just get some more word. What do you say? Just let this dwell in your heart. Amen? I can remember Brenda and I having the wonderful occasion of being able to go to Israel with Billy Brim. Not Billy Graham, Billy Brim. B with the B as in boy and Jim Caseman many years ago. 
And uh, every morning we'd get on this bus, probably 80 people. We were in a tour group. And Billy handed out Psalms 91 to all of the people on the tour. And every morning before we'd leave the driveway, we would all recite and declare the 91st Psalm every day, every day. Now, we went to some pretty dangerous places. We went up on the border where Lebanon was. You could look over and you could see all the yellow flags for Hezbollah. And you could see some of the mortar and some of the bombs that had tried to come in that didn't make it in. And we went into some pretty dangerous areas. On a couple of days, we had to have an Israeli soldier with a machine gun attending our way. But thank God, before that machine gun guy ever came, his angels were already around us. Hallelujah. And every day, though, every day, we declared it. I don't think it would hurt any one of us to wake up in the morning and declare the 91st Psalm over our lives. I don't know if you've ever heard of a man of God by the name of John G. Lake, but a great man of God, wonderful man of God, was known for just tremendous, marvelous healings. And he said, and I heard this from Mark Brzee last week, he said that John G. Lake said, if you'd read the 91st Psalm six or seven times, there wouldn't be any sickness or disease that could stay in your body. Every day, hallelujah. Well, it certainly couldn't hurt to do it. You can't overdose on the 91st Psalm. So the main thing I'm just encouraging you is get it in your heart. Get it in your lips, amen? And listen, go about your life without fear. Go about your life without looking behind you because the Lord's on your side. Look at Isaiah 54, verse 17. Isaiah 54, verse 17. Amen? Amen. Now, we have security around here. I know when Dr. Price comes, he's going to have security. I believe in having security here. We have people here that are, you know, wonderful men of God with highway patrol, and we have others that are here and uh, look after the property, look after the facility. Praise the Lord for that. But thank God we're leaning on the Lord, number one, that he's given his angels charge over us. Amen? And then thank God for security as well. Amen? Say it with me. I'm the most secure out of all the secure. Now notice this, Isaiah 54:17. This is good food, isn't it? Are you getting anything this morning? Good. Look at this. Let's read it together. No weapon that is formed against thee shall stop right there. God's Word translation says, No weapon that has been made to be used against you will succeed. And even people's words. See, words can be a weapon. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you'll condemn. This is part of your inheritance because you're a child of God and their righteousness is of me, says the Lord. God's Word translation says, you'll have an answer for anyone who accuses you. This is the inheritance of the Lord's servant and their victory comes from me. Hallelujah. I'm ready to shout just a moment. Glory. Hallelujah, their victory comes from me. Woo, glory to God. You know that victory is part of your inheritance. 
He wasn't kidding when he said, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. The psalmist said it like this. He said, The Lord's my strength, He's my song, and He's become my victory. Hallelujah. Now, for the balance of this morning's time, I want to define for you two words, because two words are very closely connected together. What is the number one thing that America is fighting in this day and in this hour? It's terrorism. Now, we are living in the last of the last days. The Bible says perilous times shall come, which means troublesome, dangerous, harsh, fierce, savage. How many of you know you can't pray prophecy away? There are going to be some things that are going to happen. But I want to build a case today that doesn't have to happen to you. I said, I want to build a case today that it doesn't have to happen to you. Because you're not a part of the perilous church. You're a part of the glorious church. (laughs) Yeah. Is that right? We're part of the glorious church. And so all you hear today is fear. Whatever news program you put on, they never report good news very much. They report bad news. And really that's what terrorism is all about. It's based on fear. Remember in verse 5 it says, You'll not be afraid of the terror by night. So let's look at these two definitions today. Let's get something in church this morning. What is terrorism? And then what is oppression? Because they go hand in hand. Terrorism defined is defined as the planned, organized use of fear as a weapon. The planned, organized use of fear as a weapon. The goal of terrorism is to terrify, to frighten, or panic to the point that a person or a people cannot resist. That's the enemy's plan, is to paralyze people with fear. Now notice oppression. Oppression is the spoiling of or taking away of a person's goods or estates or inheritance by using terror or force. It means taking them away without having any right to them by working on three things. Number one, the ignorance. Number two, the weakness. And number three, the fearfulness of the persons being oppressed. I want you to know that you walked in to an ignorant free zone this morning. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. And we're not ignorant of our blood covenant. Come on, somebody. And you've also walked into a weakness-free zone. Because we're operating in the joy of the Lord, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. And you've walked into a fearless zone. Because God didn't give you a spirit of fear. But of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Now, it took a while to hunt down, uh, what was the guy's name? 
Osama bin Laden, right? It took a while, but they got him. To God be the glory, they got him. But he's not the master terrorist. And it took a while, a little while, to find uh, 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 Saddam Hussein. Mario Marullo says Saddam Hussein belonged in the Hussein Asylum, whatever. <laughs> but they found old Hussein in a hole. He wasn't the master terrorist. All they were was a couple of demon-possessed people yeah. yielding to the devil. Are you listening to me? But the master terrorist, I'm here to tell you, of all terrorists, has already been located. He's already been destroyed. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Glory to God. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, Jesus took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I want you to know the master terrorist has already been defeated. So now we must not give him place. What gives him place? Weakness, fearfulness, and ignorance. So if we close the door on the master terrorist by knowing that he's already defeated and we stay filled with the knowledge of God's will and full of joy and we keep fear under our feet then we'll be able to walk through this life as being the safest of the safe. Yeah, but Pastor Mark, you never know what might happen. Yes, we do know. We do know. We've got 66 books that tells us what has already happened. Remember, we move from it is finished. We don't have to try to talk God into anything. He's done it all. And in response to the grace of God, we just proclaim and declare His presence and His goodness over our life. Come on, somebody, let's shout. You've not received, guys, the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you've received the spirit of adoption. And on the inside of us, here's what we're crying. We're crying, Daddy, Daddy. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. So wake up in the morning and declare what I've declared over you. Speak my word, says the Lord, and my word shall go forth and it will not return unto me void. For I'm watching over your life, for you're precious to me. And I'm watching over your children for they are precious to me. And I'm looking from north to south and east to west throughout the whole earth to show myself strong on the behalf of my beloved. And you are my beloved, says the Lord. 
I will perform my work, my word on your behalf. Just speak it, believe it, and rest in me, and you shall see the glory of the Lord attend your way. Amen? I receive it. I receive it, Lord. I receive it. Now, let's work with this just for a few more moments. Look at Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, verse 14. You ought to be getting encouraged by now. Isaiah 54, verse 14. One of the greatest revelations that you can receive as a born-again believer is that you are, right now, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. For He made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made what? That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. When you were born again, you were made righteous. Righteous is not something that you work yourself into or up to. Righteousness is a gift. Amen? Amen. Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life as kings through Jesus Christ. It's a free gift. Amen? Now, This righteousness is something that you have all been made at the new birth. But if you don't know you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you can walk through life all condemned and all guilty and all beat up and all bummed out about yourself. But once you get the revelation of righteousness, you'll wake up. In other words, it'll dawn on you, like E.W. Kenyon used to say, that righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of a holy God as if sin, fear, and inferiority never existed before. That's awesome. There's no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. Those who walk after the Spirit are not condemned. Those who walk in the Spirit and have been born of God are the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. You know, when you know you're the righteousness of God in Christ, you can pray better. You know what else? You can sleep better. You can see clearer. Now notice in Isaiah 54, verse 14. In righteousness, or in this revelation of who you are in Christ, thou shalt be established, or thou shalt be fixed. Okay? And as a result of that, what will you be far from? You'll be far from what? Why is that? For thou shalt not And what else will you be far from? From terror. Why? For it shall not come near you. Woo! That's awesome. Friends, stand in the presence of God. Dwell in the secret place of the Most High. Let God be God in your life. Have faith in His love for you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Now look, look at Philippians chapter 1, 28. Philippians 1, 28. See, you can set the right kind of atmosphere in your home. Did you know that? I found a scripture that says that the people of God that it is His will 
for the people of God that where they live should be peaceable habitations. Amen? In other words, when you walk in your front door today from church, you ought to sense peace. But this peace is not automatic. This peace must be established and set by what kind of atmosphere you're allowing into your home. Amen? I can't sit there and watch R-rated movies all day full of violence and go upstairs and put my head down and sleep good. Why? Because the atmosphere is wrong. Amen? What kind of words are you speaking in your home? Amen? What kind of words are you speaking to your mate? What kind of words are you speaking to your wife and your husband? You see, faith-filled words are peace-filled words. You can set the right atmosphere in the very home that you live in. Amen? Now look at Philippians chapter 1 and verse 28. How many of you know that just not being afraid sends a big sign to the devil? In verse 28, it says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token, a means, a sign of their perdition. What does perdition mean? It means their doom, their ending. How many of you know there's a bottomless pit that soon and very soon is going to open up? And you just going about your life fear-free sends a sign to them that says, You're doomed, you're doomed, but I'm saved. You're unsafe, devil, but I'm the safest of the safe. And lastly, look at Psalm 27, verse 11. Psalm 27, verse 11. Somebody say, teach. Somebody say, preach. That's what I'm trying to do. I just want to say back to you, do. Do. (laughs) Amen. Your response should be, I'm a doer. I am a doer. I'm a doer of the Word of God. Psalms 27. Notice here in verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a difficult path. No, lead me in a plain path. Because of what? Because of my enemies. Enemy likes to get you off the path. So, Lord, make it clear to me, make it clear to us, which path to be on. Amen? The Hebrews says, as those who observe me, observe me because of my enemies, lead me in a plain path. They're observing which path, which road I'm going to take. Amen. So the question I've got for you today is what kind of signals are you sending to those who are observing you. In the morning, I exhort you to send the right signals. Don't get up and talk about how depressed you are. We've all had days where we woke up in the morning and we felt like, man, I don't want to get out of bed. 
I just want the covers to stay over my head for about eight to ten hours. You ever felt that way? But you know what doers of the word? Doers of the word put the first foot on the ground. And they put the second foot on the ground. And they say, thank you, Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Thank you. This is the day that you have made. I've discovered this. And I've been through some tests. I've been through some trials as well as you have. I've discovered this, that the more I talk about them and the more difficulty I'm having in a situation, the bigger it gets. I discovered that the more magnified it gets. Don't magnify a defeated foe. Magnify the Lord. Let us exalt His name together. And it doesn't sound very kind, and I don't mean it to sound unkind, but most people just don't care about all your aches and pains. Because they're dealing with their own aches, and they're dealing with their own pains. I I don't mean to be not compassionate, but at the end of the day, as much word as we have on the inside of us, as many sermons as we've heard here, we ought to be able to suck it up. I said, we ought to be able to suck it up. And not fall apart. And not get all emotional. And thinking, woe is me, I'm the only one. You're not the only one. Now, the other side of the coin is bear one another's burdens. Because not everyone is strong. Are you listening? And we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. See, you don't want to tell a person to suck it up who's not able to suck it up. Amen. You've got to be led by the Spirit. Amen. So that's the balance you see in this ministry. (laughs) I thought I'd better throw that in before I get a letter or something. Amen. But we that are strong, We ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. We ought to be there for one another. Not in a condemning and in a condescending way, but in a way that lifts people, in a way that instructs people. Come on. In a way that loves people. I think we're getting somewhere here today. But I've discovered it. I've I, I found this out. The more I talk about it, the bigger it's gotten. Now, there's nothing wrong with stating the challenge. And there's nothing wrong with stating what you're standing against. But at the end of the day, you've got to go to the Word. And find this Word that covers your case. And you've got to be tougher 
than your toughest day. When hell is breathing down your back and demons are lying to your soul, you got to be able to say, It is well with my soul. You might need to go out in the backyard and have a conversation with that jive turkey. And take your sword out and put that rat on the run. I thought you might be interested in this, uh, Rebecca. Your mom did a series at the church years ago in the Bible school. I'm going to give you this outline. I found it today. She said the five P's are found in the presence of God. This is really good. Five P's in the presence of God. Number one, his protection. When you stay in the bubble of his presence, you'll have his protection. Number two, his peace. When you stay in the bubble of his presence, you'll have his peace. Number three, his plan. When you stay in the bubble of his presence, you'll get his plan. Number four, his provision. When you stay in the bubble of his presence, you'll have his provision. And number five, you'll have his perspective. When you stay in the presence, you'll see things from his perspective. So say it with me. Protection. Peace, peace, his plan, his, plan, his, provision, his provision, and his perspective, his perspective are part of my inheritance. Well, did you get anything out of this today? Let's stand up and shout a while. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. I'm happy in my heart today.